Here I go again Same old boss, same old friend It's just my place for security Place like home friends like you and me Here I go Hello everybody, welcome to a very special edition of the Patrick Lally Show. The unexpected uh, edition from the Sioux Falls Bike Summit. And uh, I'm here with Adam Saban. And he's actually the star of the show, as it turns out. Uh, Adam, uh, you were asked to do a presentation here at the Bike Summit this year. And uh, we're going to get into that for, in just a second. Uh, but first of all, I just want to introduce Adam. He is, uh, Adam is a, uh, lives in Sioux Falls. He's a mechanical engineer, right? That's fair. He uh, moved to Sioux Falls a few years ago, and we'll get into that. Um, but he has uh, really uh, hit racing hard. Um, and is racing at an elite level in mountain bikes and cyclocross all over the country. And we're going to get into that. But first of all, I just want to introduce you, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Adam Saban. Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Uh, first of all, uh, the Bike Summit, what a huge success this year. It's really been awesome. Thank you all for being here. Um, I talked briefly to the organizers, and I... They think might get up to 400 people here at the Bike Summit, which I think really um, indicates there's we got good support for cycling. What's been your uh, impression now? You've lived here for three years, two years? Uh, a little over a year and a half. I was close. Coming up on two years in April. You know, my math. Uh, so two years. What, what was your impression before you got here and now that we're in the, uh, the Bike Summit? Tell me what your uh, impressions of the cycling in this community has been. Um, yeah, so I had really no uh, expectations coming in. Um, we didn't find out we were moving here until about two months before it happened. Um, doesn't give a whole lot of time to really do any research or have any preconceived notions. So um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, when we came to visit uh, and look for housing, um, it was in February of 2018, so or 2018, so two years ago. Um, we, we had stopped in a couple of local bike shops uh, just to meet some people, get some more information. Um, and through that, I, I had made some connections. And that was really the only people I had known uh, within the bike community um, prior to moving here. So yeah, and I'd never, never really looked into it. So I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and, and it's been really positive experience for me um, coming from some bigger cities, Chicago, Denver, and then now here Sioux Falls. Uh, it's been really cool to just get to know a lot of people, feel like I'm playing um, some kind of role in the community and not just another number out there. Um, so overall, it's been really positive. Um, most of my experience has come through the local racing scene, um, but I've been starting to branch out a bit more and do some of the more fun rides and just get to know more people in the bike community in general and not just the racing aspect. So, uh, yeah, overall it's been a really positive, fun experience. Um, we're going to uh, get back to your racing here in a minute, but I think it's important for you to sort of give people some background because, uh, as you said, you lived in Chicago and Denver, um, but you, uh, growing up, you're, you're going to be the next great golfer in America, right? Nobody would ever expect this. Yeah, so it's actually pretty funny. So most of my family and friends from back home in Chicago, so I grew up in the Chicagoland area, southwest suburbs, um, born and raised there from birth through um, going to college. Uh, but I grew up playing golf. Uh, it's kind of... Uh, 
there's a story behind how I got into it, but long story short, I was born with epilepsy, um, so I was not allowed to play contact sports growing up. Um, it was like heartbreaking for my dad. He came from a whole family of hockey players, so um, the day that he found out that I wasn't gonna be a hockey player was pretty detrimental, and um, him and my mom, I, I'm sure they had conversations about what the heck they were gonna do with this kid who couldn't play contact sports. Mm -hmm. uh, but one day when I was like four years old, my mom took me to the driving range for the first time, and I, I guess I was a natural. I don't really remember it. Uh, it's actually this week she had sent me a handful of articles that she'd found from the local newspapers from back in the day. And yeah, four years old, it was a spotlight. I was like the headliner in the local paper. Um, and it was funny because I had broken my club while I was hitting the golf ball that they were taking the picture of. So you can see my, the, the, the head of the club <laughs> flying off in the distance. And I guess I bawled my eyes out after that. Um, but that was kind of the start of my interest in golf. And I took that, yeah, all the way through college. Um, so most of my family and friends don't even know that I've really raced bikes. They mostly know me as uh, the kid who played golf growing up. And it's a pretty amazing story because you played with people who today are major names on the PGA Tour. And, you know, this ain't a golfing crowd, so you're going to maybe have to explain who these people are. <laughs> no, but go ahead. I mean, give, throw some names out there. It's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, so uh, I played at a, a really high-level um, competitive golf um, all through junior and uh, junior golf in college. Um, but yeah, like I played with the likes of uh, Justin Thomas, who he just won his 12th um, PGA Tour victory this past weekend. Um, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, um, a lot of the same guys that came from my era, we all played together. Um, so I traveled like all around the country, more than I even travel now for bike racing, um, playing junior golf tournaments all over the country. Um, and yeah, from, from the time that I was four or five years old, all I wanted to do was be a professional golfer. It was like my first email, I still use it as my junk email, is wannabe woods. That's all <laughs> I wanted to do my whole life. Um, was be a professional athlete and particularly being a professional golfer. When did you give up that dream? I mean, we're fast forwarding here a little bit, but when did you say, you know what, I don't, I either am not gonna be on the PGA Tour or I don't wanna do that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that came, came about um, through a series of unfortunate events throughout my high school uh, golf career. Um, Anyone who's ever played golf knows that it's like 90% mental and 10% skill and physical ability. Um, and it, once you lose touch of that mental ability to, um, to, to get out there and really compete at a high level, it's really hard to get it back. And unfortunately, I, I fell into that uh, category like my junior going into senior year of high school. Um, I, I lost my ability to just have a, a, the mental fortitude to, to stay at that elite level. Um, lost all of my hopes of, uh, of achieving a D1 scholarship. I had a lot of perspectives, um, perspective options. My dream was to go play Big Ten, U of I, on a full ride scholarship. And yeah, I just had a six months of a bad spell. I couldn't, couldn't, you know, couldn't shoot the numbers that I needed to. Um, and I really just just lost hope of my ability to ever get it back. Um, got to the point where I uh, started struggling with some depressive episodes. Um, and really, I, like, one day I actually sat down to take my own life because I just couldn't deal with the, the mental heartache that I, that I had inside of me, that I couldn't, couldn't do what I had put so much of my identity in. Um, and, and it was that day that I just decided, you know what, if this sport's not worth it, like it's not, it's not worth losing my life over. So I kind of just gave up on that dream. I still played through college for the next four or five years, never got the skill and ability back that I once had. 
Um, but I really just like it. I just knew that it, it wasn't for me at the time. I just didn't have it. Um, and yeah, I just never got it back. So I, uh, I played through college just because I, I had gotten some, some golf scholarship offers. Um, it did uh, allow me to, to go to, to school in Colorado that I normally wouldn't have been able to pay for. Um, so I use that to it's my a, advantage. It's a good school. It's a right phenomenal Colorado, school. Yep. Um, um, school of Mines. Yeah. So yeah, I got to play all it's four famous, years in college. Famous engineering school. Um, but even going going into it, I knew that um, the the dream of playing professionally was kind of uh, out of the cards for me. Um, so as soon as I finished college, as soon as I uh, competed in my last collegiate tournament, um, I hung the clubs clubs up and really haven't touched them since. That's crazy. Do you ever think about just going out to the range and you know smacking it around a little bit? All the time. Um, I mean, I, I I have to sit sideline and watch a lot of my fellow competitors living out the dream that I had for so long, and that's it's actually really hard um, hard thing to swallow at times. Um, I still believe that I could achieve that dream if I wanted to and set out to do it, and there, especially in a town like this, uh, there's a lot of golf support. Um, that, that there, you know, there's a lot of good local professional players that have come out of here. Um, and I've thought about it. I've thought about picking it up just as a means to um, bring in some side income um, and try and achieve that dream again. But Catching uh, a little skins game on the weekend? What are we talking about here? Yeah, I mean, uh, people still don't know me yet, so I, I could be the ringer. Uh, if you ever need a fourth for your... Uh, hey, no, for your you strength. and I, we're going we're gonna to talk about the summer here in a minute. Uh, uh, but you end up... The, you end up getting into cycling somehow. Where did that happen in this whole journey? Yeah, so <clears throat> post-college, um, again, growing up an elite athlete, once you lose that athletic ability, that's a big chunk of your life that is all of a sudden missing. Um, so I kind of just started searching for the next thing that I was going to pursue. I knew that I wouldn't just like sit around and um, I never wanted to be the nine to five guy who really just pursued a, a career. Um, I always knew that I was going to do something else um, so I started looking for other things to do, um, dabbled a little bit in some running stuff, but a friend of mine actually loaned me a road bike. Uh, this was in 2013 for the summer. He, he was going away for the summer or something. So he, he let me borrow his road bike. Um, and I started riding that after work each day and it was like something that I could not wait to get off work to go ride my bike. I uh, started with riding like 30 minutes around the neighborhood, thought that was cool, bumped it up to an hour, really started feeling like I was accomplishing something. And then I got sick one week, I got mono, and was like bedridden for a whole week, and it was in July, so the Tour de France was on, and I'd never watched the Tour before. I knew who Lance Armstrong was, but I had no idea what bike racing was. What year are you talking about here? How old are you? 2013, so I was uh, 22 at the time. Um, yeah, so I, I, I watched a whole week's worth of uh, the tour and I was like, oh those guys I could do what they're doing like I'm riding around my neighborhood for an hour like easy <laughs> I got so this. Um, yeah so I, I like I, don't know, I still didn't know much about it um, but that was kind of really my like first exposure to cycling um, was through yeah borrowing my friend's road bike and then watching the tour for a few days while I was sick. So from there though you quickly got into mountain biking, little cyclocross. I mean, when was that point where you like, hey, wait a minute, I'm in Colorado, those are mountains, I'm going to go ride my bike there. Yeah, so um, so backtracking a little bit, so I grew up in the southwest suburbs, but I did go to Colorado for uh, four years for college. So I lived in Golden, Colorado. Um, there I was exposed to things like hiking, climbing, um, some other outdoor activities. Never really got into uh, riding bikes at all, um, mostly was playing golf with, with the time that I had. 
Um, but I, I, I always loved, I just loved Colorado and the mountains and the outdoors. Um, and once I got into cycling and started realizing that it, you know, at least on TV, it looked like riding bikes in the mountains was way cooler than riding around my neighborhood. Uh, I started realizing what I had missed out on. There was this whole other world in Colorado that I missed out on. Um, but it would take a few years before I would get back to Colorado and, and really get to ride bike out there. Um, it started off with, I, uh, I got introduced to uh, bike racing actually uh, while I was going to grad school at DePaul University in downtown Chicago. Um, I signed up for the cycling team after watching the tour and thought, you know, I didn't really, actually had no idea what to think of it. Um, I just thought riding around the neighborhood for an hour, like surely I had the fitness to do that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're at DePaul and you show up and you say, hi everybody, I want to be on the bike team. Uh, yeah, and even even <laughs> further, so to show my oblivion, um, I, it was also a rough patch in my life where I, um, because I didn't have the athletic pursuits, I started pursuing some um, more unhealthy uh, lifestyle options um, and actually showed up to the first day of practice. It was an FTP test, which I had no idea what that was. Um, and this was in like February of 2014. Um, and I showed up hungover because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, and quickly found out that those two combinations don't mix well. Um, and it was at that time that I really like started to turn my life around. Um, it was such an awesome experience of just like pushing myself to a limit that I'd never... In golf, you don't really push yourself that hard uh, physically, you push yourself hard mentally. Um, but to push myself physically that hard to try and make it through that FTP test um, was really challenging and it really just gave me something to shoot for. Um, and yeah, that was, I mean, I really went into it super green though, I had no idea. And even when I signed up for my first race, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Tell us what an FTP test is. Uh, yeah, so an FTP test is... Uh, question, tell us what an FTP test is. Yeah, so an FTP test is a functional threshold power test. So um, the format that I did was a 20 minute all out effort. Um, and it was funny because the, the instructor of the class, uh, our coach at the time, he, he had told us to warm up at our all-day pace. He said, just ride at whatever pace you would ride all day. And I was like, well, I've never ridden my bike for more than an hour, so I guess I'll just ride at that pace. And, and then he said, okay, now that you're warmed up, we're going to ride as hard as you can for 20 minutes. And I was like, well, I'm already riding as hard as I can. Like, how can I ride any harder than this? I had no idea. Um, but it's a test to try and gauge your level of fitness. Um, it, it'll tell you, if you're, if you're real new to it, it'll kind of tell you what your natural abilities are. Um, I had none. Zero. I mean, my, my fitness background was walking for six hours a day on the golf course. Uh, I'd never run more than a mile or two at a time. Um, so I had no aerobic endurance background at all. Um, so I really went into it completely green. Yeah, and um, it, it seems uh, almost fantastic that you could do that. Did you stay on the team? I did. Yeah, I, I liked it so much that, I, um, that I, I showed up the next week, the next Saturday, for what was going to be a two-hour ride on the trainer, which was an hour longer than my longest ride at that point. Um, on the trainer. So when you finally got out on the road with the bike team, was this, did they look at you like, you're not going to be able to stay with us? Yeah, so the, the first group ride that we did as a team, so this would have been in the spring of 2014, um, I was still using a borrowed road bike. Um, I was still riding uh, flat pedals. Um, I was actually 
I wasn't really, I, he had clip, he had like SPD SL um, road pedals on his bike that I was using my Nike running shoes with. Um, nice. And I showed up to the first group ride with like no water bottle, no food to eat. Um, I don't even remember if I had any kind of bike shorts or anything on. Uh, and yeah, they kind of were like, I, I don't know if you belong here. Did they take um, some pity on you, though, and say, come here? Son. They did after I didn't get dropped through the first sprint section. So, I mean, I, I had a little bit of natural ability in, in that I, I really wanted to try real hard. I, I was really good at pushing myself. Um, I didn't have any physical talents, but I, I did have the, the mental fortitude to just push myself to the limit. So, um, yeah, they, I, I, I gained some respect in, in that regard um, through that first ride. But... Uh, they quickly figured out that they needed to help me a lot. <laughs> and did they? I they mean, did, yeah. No, that, that experience through uh, the collegiate racing, so I raced two years of collegiate road, um, and if it weren't for that, if I had tried to get into just the amateur road racing scene, uh, I probably would have quit and, and moved on. But uh, the, the collegiate racing scene is a really positive environment. Um, they're really encouraging. It's all about... That, you know, there's there's everyone from the super entry level green athletes like I, um, all the way through the elite athletes who race on professional teams, um, and everyone in between. So that it's a really great uh, chance to uh, have some learning experience and work your way through the ranks, um, and and just have some friends and camaraderie around you. So when let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you've got that on you. When then did you get into mountain biking? Um, yeah, so it'd be a couple years later. Um, so f first two years, so 2014-15, were spent collegiate road racing mostly. Um, I did start dabbling in some cyclocross. I was much better at cyclocross than I ever was at road racing, um, mostly because it just takes uh, a little bit of talent and just like the ability to push yourself. Road racing, there's a little bit too much tactics. For We had a small team, so we didn't really have tactics play to our advantage very often. Um, but I love cyclocross, I love you know, playing in the mud and stuff. Um, but it, would be, it, it wouldn't be for a few years later um, that, that I would get into, introduced to mountain biking. Um, my first, I guess my first dabble in it was 2015. Uh, the first mountain bike race I signed up for was a 100 mile race up in Traverse City. Um, Why so not just dive in, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had read Rebecca Rush's uh, Rush to Glory book, and she was all about the 100-mile endurance races. Um, so I just signed up for one and went up there, did it. Um, but it would be two years later before I would sign up for another. <laughs> it was really hard. Uh, yeah, I just went up there, did it. Uh, you were in some shape, so that wasn't too bad. Yeah, so that was like, yeah, I mean, I was a year and a half into um, cycling and racing at that point. I still wasn't taking it super serious. Um, you know, I was training whenever the team would train, you know, four or five hours a week. Um, the rest of the time I was in grad school and, um, and working. So uh, it wasn't really like a centerfold of my life, but it was something that I could do athletically to uh, kind of keep my mind um, stimulated and, and something to, to work towards. Um, but yeah, so fast forwarding a little bit, um, my then fiance, uh, now wife Allie in the crowd there, uh, we moved to Colorado in 2016. 
I, I just always wanted to get back there. Uh, I loved Colorado. I loved the four years that I spent there for college. It felt like home for me. So uh, we knew that we wanted to get out of Chicago. Allie's originally from here. We didn't want to stay in Chicago. So we wanted to get somewhere. Um, so we moved back to Colorado. Um, and it would be, uh, be 2017 would be when I would start mountain bike racing. I, I had gotten an invite. I, I was racing and doing some support with World Bicycle Relief uh, at the time. And they had invited Which me. Is um, so World Bicycle Relief is a um, nonprofit uh, company that provides bicycles for um, people in third world countries who don't have access to uh, any forms of transportation. So they'll, through fundraising efforts and uh, philanthropic uh, efforts, they, they raise money and then they build bikes and then they send them to um, individuals in these communities who, who need basic transportation. Um, so at the time, yeah, I was, I was, I was riding in support of them, um, and there was a, they, they had an opportunity for a slot on their Leadville team. So my second race that I signed up for on the mountain bike was another 100-mile mountain bike race. Not just another 100-mile mountain bike race. What, one of the most famous mountain bike races in yeah, the Yeah, iconic. Yeah. Uh, this one, I, I, I knew that I needed to come in a bit more prepared, though, than just signing up a couple weeks before and showing up. Uh, so I, I decided to put the, the road bike aside, uh, kind of gave up on the road racing thing and, and decided I was going to take on mountain bike racing for a little bit. Um, so I, I signed up for a handful of local races in Colorado uh, in the preparation and, and lead up to Leadville. How did Leadville treat you? Uh, it was hard. It's still, uh, to this day, is the hardest day that I've had on the bike. Uh, didn't go quite as well as I was hoping it would, so there's still a little bit, a um, little bit out there for me to go back and try and achieve. Uh, you know, I've, yeah, I've got some outstanding goals at Leadville still. Uh, someday I'll get back there. But um, overall, that was an amazing experience. Getting to race for World Bicycle Relief was really cool. Uh, I had an amazing support team there. Had uh, family and friends that came out, supported me all weekend long. Uh, overall, just a super positive, amazing day on the bike. So. Uh now you're hooked, right? Yeah, so that was really the, the start of, um, uh, of me taking uh, bike racing more serious. Um, I, I trained really hard in the lead up to, to Leadville um, and spent a lot of time on the bike. So that was our uh, second year in Colorado. Um, spent a lot of time training and just really fell in love with the process of training and seeing the results um, and seeing the improvements. And I just like really fell in love with, with riding off-road, riding mountain bikes. So yeah, I really just decided to uh, ditch the road bike for good and um, really start pursuing racing mountain bike. So moving forward maybe too quickly, but I want to get to this, and that is uh, the team you're involved with now on the, I should say you're on the, the Parallel 44 team here locally, but you race mountain bikes with Athletes in Action. So tell us how you ended up, uh, tell us about Athletes in Action, first of all, and how you ended up getting uh, hooked up with those guys. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> through some connections that I had in Colorado while we were still living there, um, I had gotten invited to be involved with a, a new team that was starting in 2018, a local team based out of Boulder. Uh, it was called Roots Racing, and the, the guys that were starting the team are part of a, a group that's called Athletes in Action, which is a, a pro sports ministry um, that caters to professional athletes. They travel all around the country and all around the world, uh, supporting, uh, mentoring, um, empowering athletes uh, that are on the road, you know, professionally full-time, 
um, supporting them spiritually and emotionally and mentally. So, um, so I'd gotten invited to, to be part of this uh, program that they were starting called Roots Racing, um, which was kind of affiliated with Athletes in Action. Um, and that was really how I got um, the, the longing to, to really take my racing to the next level. Um, I knew there was some ability there and some chances for me to, to start racing at, you know, kind of the higher level. Uh, but I really, it, it really took someone believing in me um, versus me just believing in myself to, to give me the, the courage to, to take that next level leap. Um, so that was when I decided to, uh, to upgrade to the elite ranks. Um, and, and was going to be racing with that team. And it was all about the same time that we, that we decided that we were going to move to Sioux Falls. So at that time, I was, you know, we, when I uh, was invited to race for the team and, and um, was working towards racing at the elite level, we still had the plan of, of staying in Colorado. Um, so it, 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 all this kind of happened at the same time. Um, and... Yeah, so when I moved here, I, I stayed in communication, stayed involved with the team, the Roots Racing team, and got more plugged in with the Athletes in Action uh, Pro Sports Ministry. Um, and through that efforts, I, in the, within the last year or so, uh, helped launch their uh, campaign into the uh, mountain bike racing scene. So previously, they were only ministering to uh, athletes that race on the road. Uh, now we have a full gambit of uh, mountain bike and cyclocross races that we uh, travel to and support athletes through Athletes in Action. So um, tell us this year then, this summer, you did a couple of, and fall, you did a couple of pretty impressive things with that organization. One, the Oz series, right? Is that, I'm saying that correctly? Uh, the Epic Ride series. Epic Ride series, but the Oz, what, what's the Oz with races and what's the relationship between all that? Um, yeah, so the Epic Rides uh, Backcountry series is, uh, it's a uh, big mountain bike uh, endurance mountain bike series that uh, was founded. It started like 15 years ago with the Whiskey 50. It's down in Prescott, Arizona, and it's slowly over the last 15 years transformed into what is now like the premier uh, endurance mountain bike race series in the country. Um, they attract thousands of amateur races or racers to to all these different events. Uh, they put on a whole spectacle all weekend. Uh, there's all kinds of events and, and, and different activities for uh, athletes and uh, their families to get involved with. Um, and then they also put on the, or they, they provide the uh, largest prize purse in all of bike racing. So you, you, they attract all the top level pros from the United States and uh, some international riders as well. So when you line up for those races, um, is that, tell us about that experience because that has to be something else. Uh, yeah, it is something else. <laughs> um, so the, the first pro race that I competed in was the Grand Junction Off-Road uh, in 2018. That was my introduction to racing at the elite level. Uh, and when you're super green and in, in, you know, first time racing at the elite level and you're standing next to guys who have worn the world championship jersey, um, yeah, it's something else. It's a it's really humbling experience. Um, you know, I, I, I went into it confident in my abilities and came out completely um, just torn apart. And like I, I, I really had to rethink whether or not I was in the right place um, at the moment. I, I just didn't. Yeah, I came away just totally humbled by the, the whole experience. Um, but over the last two years, uh, I've, I've now completely 
competed in six of those events. Um, and each time I just feel more and more comfortable in, in those shoes um, and lining up against some of those guys. Um, and it's, it's pretty fun when you get to cross the finish line uh, next to some of the, yeah, some of the premier athletes in the, in the country and around the world. When you, point, when you look at your results, where, what are you most proud of in that mountain bike series? Um, I wouldn't really say that I'm proud of any of my results. Um, more so, I'm proud of the effort that has gone into getting me to that level. Uh, I, I mean, none of my results are really anything to uh, really brag about. Uh, I've completed all six of the ones that I've entered, which is probably um, not everyone can say that of the you know their last six epic rides races. They are really challenging. Uh, fifty mile, they're all fifty mile races. Uh, they're all through the backcountry in the areas that they take place in. Uh, they're really challenging, really demanding races. Um, and just finishing them is an accomplishment. Um, but I would say just my ability to, to show up and, and come prepared and um, feel like I, I'm more proud of my ability to just, uh, just grow in my sense of belonging to be there um, than I am of my actual individual results. And you're still a very young man. You you are not at the end of your development arc. Yeah, I'll be uh, entering my last year of my 20s uh, in March. <laughs> so, so we like to call that 29. 29, yeah. <laughs> uh, so how you feel like you're still improving? Are you, are you still trending up as you're training? Absolutely. Um, you know, having only been racing now for less than six years, uh, I definitely feel like there's a lot of improvement still to be had. Um, I, I work a full-time job still, I'm involved in a lot of other things as well, so um, you know, the main thing that I'm up against a lot of times with improvement is just the amount of time that I can put into it. I've kind of reached uh, the, the peak of what I can achieve, at least fitness level-wise, with the amount of time that I put into it. Um, so to really you know, make that next step, I would need to put more time um, and energy towards it. Um, but I'm, there's a lot to learn outside of just the fitness realm as well. I've got a lot of uh, tactics to learn, a lot of skills to learn, um, a lot of, I still you know, have a lot of just uh, mental fortitude to build. So I, I definitely don't think I'm even close to uh, reaching my peak potential. Whether or not I'll uh, you know, ever get the opportunity to, to strive towards that, I don't know yet. Um, but I, I, I'm at a you know, position where, um, yeah, there's, you know, I can either go up or, or, or stay where I'm at, and I'm hoping to keep improving. And it takes a lot of support from your family and friends and everything else because of the time. Absolutely. Um, support is, um, it, yeah, it takes a lot of support and a lot of um, just compliance and, uh, and grace from uh, especially my family. Um, you know, being gone and on the road as much as I am uh, can be really challenging on the family back home. Um, and it takes just a lot of support to, to just even, even release some of the stress that, that goes into all the extended travel that, that it takes to, to be on the road that long. Yeah, it's a lot of driving. Um, uh, and speaking of travel, I want to get, make sure we don't miss this. You actually traveled and raced in two UCI races in China this year. Tell us about that experience and how did that happen? Uh, yeah, so that was actually a last-minute addition to my 2019 calendar. Uh, I, I had every intention of uh, competing in the local favorite uh, Dakota 5.0 mountain bike race. Um, that was actually my target race for 2019. Uh, but in August, 
of last of this past year, I, I received an invite to uh, join a composite team of riders from Colorado who, who had gotten an invite to go race in uh, China. So China, the, there's the, uh, a race series out there called the Chenson Trophy, and they invite riders from all over the world to come and compete in these two uh, C1 uh, UCI cyclocross races that they host in. Uh, Which is the top. Those C1 UCI races, there's only so many of them. Those are the best riders in the world, all over the world. Yeah, absolutely, and they, they were the first two C1 races on the UCI calendar as well, so they were uh, target races for a lot of the top uh, athletes around the world, and uh, it was a really unique experience. Uh, overall, it was just amazing uh, to see the countryside and, and just see a different culture that they have over there. Um, bike racing isn't a mainstream sport over in China, so they're trying to do their part to introduce the local um, crowd and local scene to bike racing. So it was really cool. We really got treated like rock stars. Um, everything was all-inclusive and paid for. Uh, every single uh, town that we went through or the races that we uh, competed in, there would be hundreds of fans lining up to get autographs and selfies. Um, so you really felt like a true world-class, like elite-level athlete, uh, which you don't get very often in bike racing because it's not a mainstream sport. That's true, uh, especially in China. How was the heckling? I couldn't really tell you because I couldn't understand what they were saying, but there were, there were thousands of people out there spectating. It was uh, the biggest crowds that I've ever gotten to race in front of. Um, and it was televised to six million plus people around wow. the country. Uh, I saw some great photos of you from there and a little bit of video, but the courses looked nuts. Tell us about the courses. Yeah, so the courses were... Um, pretty treacherous, so uh, just really unique. They were, um, the first course was like completely sand. The whole course was like sand and dust. Um, it was like not even dirt, it was just like dusty, really loose dirt. Um, so it was really challenging. They had two these like really heinous climbs. Um, they were probably 30 to 40 seconds long, which in cyclocross you don't uh, usually see that kind of elevation change maybe in a run-up, but not usually in a riding situation. Um, so the, yeah, the first course was really challenging. The second course, there were goat heads, which are like little thorns all over the course. Um, so people were getting flats left and right. Um, and then there was just rocks everywhere. It was like, it was more of a mountain bike course than it was a cyclocross course. Um, but both settings were just absolutely beautiful. The, the views were stunning. Um, the people, the local people couldn't have been more supportive, even though they, you, you couldn't really have a, an open dialogue with them because of the communication dialect deficit. Um, they, they were just so happy and, and joyous and just supportive and just welcoming. Um, it was really, overall, just such a good experience. What are you, what's your everlasting memory from that experience, do you think? What's the one thing you're gonna, that's gonna stand out forever for you? Um, so I went over there wanting to experience China and the local culture. Uh, and I got a first-hand experience and exposure to that uh, through uh, one day, so it's a little bit of a story here, but one day a uh, couple buddies and I were, uh, it was in between the races. So the races took place on a Sunday and then the following Saturday, so we had a whole week in between to do traveling and um, rider bikes throughout the countryside. Um, and one of the days we were just riding through the town that we were in, we rode to the top of this mountain and at the top there was this Buddhist temple um, we didn't really know what to do other than put our bikes down and walk inside. So here were like three Americans walking into this Buddhist temple and they were actually, there was a service going on. 
So we kind of just like stood in the back and watched the service, had no idea what they were doing, but it looked really cool and spiritual. So we hung out for a little bit, kind of watched it, walked, walked around the temple a little bit. Probably shouldn't have been there, but um, I don't know, it looked really cool and that's what we wanted was, you know, get some, uh, you know, firsthand culture. So uh, <clears throat> when the service ended, one of the uh, Buddhist monks came over and talked with us. Um, as actually a Buddhist nun, I believe, would have been her title. Um, she came over and talked to us. She, she spoke uh, really good English and was asking us all kinds of questions. And she invited us to come and partake in one of their services the following day uh, and stay for dinner. So, of course, we said, sure. So we, the next day, we saddled up and packed some clothes into a backpack and rode to the top of the mountain and uh, got to partake in a, a real uh, authentic Buddhist uh, service um, and learn some more about their religion and what they believe. It's actually, they, they don't call it a religion. They call it, um, it's, it's, it's just an educational experience is what they were sort of referring to it as. Um, but we got to learn more about that, which was really cool, and just ask questions. And then we got to like eat the most amazing dumplings I've ever had. <laughs> it's all worth it. All worth it. Yeah. So that was like that was my true like ex like cultural, local, authentic uh, Chinese experience. That's pretty amazing. And uh, you're uh, a man of a deep faith, a deep Christian faith. Do you? Um, how did that inform your faith and your perspective on religion? Yeah, so uh, the, the Buddhist nun had all kinds of questions about Christianity and my faith and what, um, what I believe. Um, so we got to have like an hour-long conversation just asking each other questions. It really opened my eyes up to, um, to, to just some of the different things that people believe. But mostly it opened my eyes to the commonalities um, between the different uh, beliefs and that um, they, they believe in just loving on everyone uh, first and foremost, and that's what we believe as Christians is to love everyone. So uh, we really got to share in that experience, and it was just really cool to just hear about uh, what she had, to, what she believed, and what she grew up, and what she knew, um, and and what she didn't know about the the Christian faith um, coming from uh, a mostly Buddhist and uh, secular uh, country. Um, that's amazing experience. I don't. Uh, I want to make sure I give everybody a chance to ask questions. We're running out of time, but um, does anybody right off the bat have a question uh, that they'd like to ask Adam? I can. I can just keep drilling him if you guys want me to. But if anybody has a question out there, raise your hand. Oh, they're going crazy, Adam. They just like. You think about that for a second. We still got a chance. Oh, we got a hand over here. What's more beneficial, the technical aspects of mountain bike riding, or the the you know the aerobic aspects of road riding in terms of your overall performance? So um, I, the 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 answer is kind of twofold. Um, I would say for entry level riding um, or uh, recreational riding, uh, I would say the technical abilities will give you a better time on the bike. Um, the it's it's a lot more fun to ride through the technical features and feel like you accomplished something technically than it is to um, that then then 
then it is necessary to have the endurance and, and fitness aspect. Um, but in my experience, racing at the top level, uh, you really need to have like uh, exceptional abilities in both technical and physical. Um, and for me, that's been kind of the barrier living here in Sioux Falls. Uh, I can build my aerobic engine all day. I ride gravel all the time, and it's actually a really great place to train because the train is so flat that there's very um, few uh, instances where you have to stop pedaling and, and, and coast downhill. Hey, um, wait a minute. Andy Hampton was from North Dakota, and you ain't seen flat pacing North Dakota. You go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> so, so for me, yeah, that's for, for me being in Sioux Falls, the uh, – the training aspect from, from a fitness standpoint hasn't been a limiting factor, but the ability to improve on my technical skills has been a, um, has been a struggle for me. Um, we've got some amazing trails here in Sioux Falls, and, and we've got plans in, in our city to have uh, 25 miles of trail by 2025, which is going to be amazing. Um, but you can only ride the same trail so many times before you've kind of maxed out your ability to um, technically maneuver those trails. Um, and I found like when I get into uh, the more technical aspects of some of the races that I do, uh, my technical skills definitely lack at least compared to my competitors. Uh, and they're world-class athletes, so they, they have exceptional skills. Um, but I, I definitely would say that the higher up you get in the ranks, the more you need to rely on both the physical and technical aspects of racing. Anybody else? I, uh, I have a quick question. You think about it. I have a quick question for you about um, elite mountain bike races versus elite cyclocross races, which we haven't talked about much, but you raced Jingle Cross, Trek, which are world, the, the World Cup, you didn't race the World Cup, but you raced UCI races at those events um, and other UCI races around uh, Arkansas and different places. What, what's, when you compare those two things, and you're lining up, uh, I don't want to say who's better, but what's the difference between those experiences? Yeah, so the, 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 the two disciplines that I've uh, mostly focused on the last couple of years are endurance mountain bike racing, so kind of mid-marathon, these 40, 50, 60 mile races, which you know take anywhere from three to four hours, and then cyclocross, which is an all-out, hour-long uh, death March um, and both of them require immense amounts of uh, technical abilities and, and a strong endurance um, you know fitness level going into it um, but I would say lining up for the cyclocross races has been a lot more intimidating uh, mainly because you're riding on a, on a uh, lap course so you're doing usually anywhere from eight to ten laps around the course in an hour-long race and they, they implement what they call an 80% rule. So if you're not within 80% of the leader's time, then they pull you from the race. And no one wants to travel halfway across the country to get pulled 45 minutes into a race. So you kind of always feel this pressure in the back of your mind that you have to stay really on uh, your game the whole time. Uh, I haven't been fortunate enough to uh, to improve to the point where I can stay with the leaders in the front group. So I'm usually in the middle of the pack um, and uh, usually only about 50%, maybe 60% of the riders actually complete the race and, and don't, do not get pulled from the race. So it's usually, you just usually feel like the leaders are like right on your heels the whole time. 
uh, at least like after about 30 minutes or so. Whereas the mountain bike races, they're, they're longer, there's a lot more room for error. Uh, if you mess up a section, you've got you know, three and a half, four hours of, of racing. So um, you know, there's a lot more room for error and they're all just one gigantic 50 mile loop. So uh, you're never gonna get lapped by any of the riders or anything like that. Um, and in general, I would say the mountain bike crowd is a little bit more easygoing than the cyclocross crowd. So the, the start line, the intensity isn't quite as high. And when you're at uh, Jingle Cross in Iowa City and Trek in Madison, Waterloo, because they're World Cups, there's also Europeans in the race. I mean, there's, you know, you never know who's going to be in those races. Those are world-class cyclocross riders. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I've um, really started to learn through racing at this level is that uh, it's one thing to race at the highest level in the U.S., but once international riders are introduced to the mix, uh, things go up a notch. So um, with cyclocross especially, uh, as soon as the field goes international, the, the level just uh, rises with the occasion. That's crazy. Uh, we do have a question down here in front. Go ahead. If you've never done a race, what suggestion do you have? Which is perfect because, as it turns out, Adam and I are both uh, involved in an organization called Sioux Falls Bike Racing Series, and we have fat bike races coming up in February, and mountain bike races, and gravel grand fondos, and then cyclocross races, and we're always trying to get people involved in new stuff. So, Adam, what is your advice to somebody who is thinking about doing it and is, you know, what and has decided to do it, and they're going to line up? What do you tell them? Um, so I would say, uh, contrary to some of the um, so, some of the things that I have done, like signing up for a hundred mile mountain bike race, never having raced mountain bikes, I wouldn't suggest that. That's a good way to um, not enjoy the, the racing experience. Uh, I would say find your local race, the closest race to your house, and just sign up and go have a fun time. Um, usually, cyclocross races are really entry level friendly. Uh, there, it's a great way to learn some skills and uh, get some heckles along the way. The courses are usually pretty easy to maneuver through. Uh, you can always get off your bike and run with it if you need to. Um, and the, the courses are always less than a mile long, so you're never more than a mile from where you started. Uh, so that cyclocross is a great entry point for people getting into bike racing. Uh, but I would just say don't be intimidated. Um, everyone's going to be new at something at some point. Um, and try and find a friend to, to do it with you. Uh, it's always more fun if you can share the experience with someone else. So yeah, rope one of your friends into signing up for one with you and just, uh, just go try it and have fun. That's perfect. Um, and we have to end there. That was outstanding, Adam. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, what? Ron Paul Dazal has a, what? Would you like to see more technical trails in the Sioux Falls area? Is there more to that question? <laughs> uh, yes, I would. Um, Is that a follow-up question? Three hours times three people, and he'll give you one mile of technical trail in Sioux Falls. I think we can do that. I think we can manage that. We've been challenged by uh, Falls Area Single Track. Uh, who's doing fabulous work, by the way? Yeah, no, you guys are awesome, uh, and thank you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Saban.
Thanks for being here. And I just want to uh, just want to thank some people at the end here before yeah, we finish up. Um, you know, moving here a year and a half ago, it was a pretty intimidating and scary experience. Moving away from uh, the place that I always dreamed of living and growing old in uh, to move somewhere new, uh, it was yeah, it was uh, it was an experience that I wasn't ready for. Um, but the Sioux Falls bike community, especially, has really welcomed us um, and, and and helped us call this place home. Um, Chad Picard over at Spoken Sport has uh, been a huge supporter of mine, so I want to thank him and all the crew over there. I want to just give a shout out to the Fast Crew. Um, you guys have been uh, just great people of encouragement, and you guys are doing great work uh, around this, the city of Sioux Falls to improve the trail network. Um, and I just want to thank my wife and family in the crowd as well. They They've supported me through uh, some times that they probably didn't want to or need to, um, but it's it's all part of what what makes this dream possible. So I just want to yeah, I just want to thank everyone who's been involved in, in helping support me along the way. We should probably point out your lovely wife, Allie. Allie, raise your hand. There you go, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and I want to thank uh, the Bike Summit. 2020 for having us here. This has been awesome. Um, like I said earlier, some 400 people registered and showed up today. So that's amazing. I think that there's a lot of great things going on. It's because of all of you that are here because of FAB and FAST and the, the, the folks at the city, uh, everybody working together. It's been really an outstanding few years and I thank you. Um, as I said earlier, this is the Patrick Lally Show special edition. I, we're at the Washington Pavilion. I didn't even say that. We're in the Belvis Theater, the Washington Pavilion. <laughs> among the luminaries. So thank you all. We'll see you out on the trail and road and everything else. Bye-bye. Thanks, Patrick. And I can't tell what I need to have to have to show Everyone is falling to I won't run away Taking just the things you know and love From yesterday Taking back the things that they, they think you know
Just like 